shelving unit, a 365-page-a-day Garfield calendar, slightly modified. Let's dive into it. Today's Garfield cartoon. Panel 1. Garfield, our fat, lazy, orange protagonist, is on the table. His target, Odie, a dog of limited intelligence, is panting unaware near said table's edge. Garfield then says, as the Buddha said, life is suffering. Panel 2. Garfield moves in to kick Odie off the table when all of a sudden Odie is raptured and goes right to heaven. Panel 3. Garfield turns to us and says, I thought dogs were premillennialists. Yep, Garfield really took a turn there. <laughs> but I like humor that makes you think. Since we're in a mushroom-ravaged world, what better way to chuckle than with Garfield's wry takes on Protestantism? <laughs> yep, that's exactly what this strip says. Would I lie, folks? Well... You can't fact-check me. The Gnostic Garfield strips were hidden in a cave and found by a shepherd a thousand years from now. It's all true. It's all happening. Welcome to the all-fake future. It's Phil in the morning. Music! So, the voice. You. Maybe. The phone hasn't lit up. I'm going to keep this show that I got you to call once. Let's break some history. Let's keep going. Ready when you are. I'm still Phil Etrog, and I am filled up. <laughs> yep, that's what they'd say on the playground. Hey, is your name Philip? Philip on dicks? Implying that I was no longer hungry because of the copious amounts of dicks I was eating. I have no room for ice cream because I fill up with dicks. <laughs> Always something. Kids used to make fun of Ginny's weight. Philip on dicks was just one of many, many things. Sad part is did upset me. I was... I didn't have a ton of friends. Not... There was Alan and Billy, and we had these other friends, or, or people. It's not like movies. I had friends who would sort of drift in and out. There was Meredith Marsh and Katie Verena. But one time, this is a true story. A true stupid story, so take nothing from it. Alan had somehow figured out how to tape his phone calls. He hooked it up to, like, a cassette recorder. This was before cell phones, really. We were, like, in ninth grade. He was talking to Meredith, who was over Katie Verena's house, and Alan was recording it because dumb kid stuff. I come over, and he's like, hold on, Phil just got here. In this perfect way, Meredith says, ugh, gross. She and Katie just trash-talk me and how I'm annoying and whatever. I'm not saying I wasn't. I was a teen boy, so I was... It hurt. So later, he tells me about how he's taping calls, and he plays it, and it sucks. Alan is mad, then Billy comes over, and Alan wants to play it for Billy, Billy thinks we're full of shit, Katie and Mare wouldn't do that, we're like, no, we have proof, the tape, so Alan goes to play the tape, and it breaks, Billy thinks we're lying, and we're yelling about proof, proof, we have proof, but we never got the tape to work, and Billy never really believed it, because we hung out a lot, the five of us, it was never, it was never overt, or maybe it was just like one of those split-second decision things, like, Oh, today, we hate Phil. Or I did something dumb, or it wasn't even as bad as I'm making it out to be, but at the time, it seemed really... I only heard the tape once, and then it was gone, and maybe I've been building it up all these years since, but I know they shit-talked me. They did. 
Also, when you're like 15, everything hurts so much because it's all so new. You love desperately, madly, and you hate with such intensity. Every emotion could incinerate galaxies, sticks, and stones, but words are a laser that cut through everything. I remember being like days later, weeks later. Why doesn't Meredith like me? I know why I don't like me, but I wonder what her reasons are. Are they the same? Later on, like years later, she actually dated Alan for a bit, and one day she, I think this was senior year, I was in the hall doing something, and she's like, Why do you hate me? I was like, What? Why do you hate me? I was like, I don't hate you. She said, I heard people say you hate me. I never said it. Not that I remember. I didn't even... Alan and I weren't even really friends anymore, even though we were voted best friends in the yearbook. It was more like history. We were still friends. We didn't even have a falling out. It was just drift. Continental drift. But it was small school, so we were voted best friends. Why am I even explaining this? Anyway, Meredith said, Why do you hate me? I don't hate you, Meredith. I don't. I would see her on and off. She moved down the shore, the Jersey Shore, and she was dating this guy I sort of knew. She died. Not from the... Before that, she... Here's something weird about her. She loved animals. That's not the weird part. She had this pet duck. She raised it from an egg. It was the worst. It would bite you and shit all over the house. They made her give it up. Like to a duck rescue farm or something. I, I don't know exactly... But I remember it in the summers. It would waddle around her yard and eat fireflies. Its mouth would glow from eating fireflies. Like, in the dark, you'd see this glowing mouth quacking. It was... She was a functioning alcoholic. Until she wasn't. Until it... We weren't really... We'd lost touch. I only found out she died when I was having one of those long, nostalgic, sleepless nights. And I googled everyone I ever had a crush on or whatever. I saw she was... Maybe I did say I hated her. Maybe I was jealous. Sometimes we don't even remember that we open our big, dumb, glowing mouths and let our quacks fill the darkness. That duck was a real fucking asshole. Today's show is brought to you by the Duck Council. Ooh, that's awkward. Ducks, they're great. They're all they're quacked up to be? I'm not reading that. What? I already did? We're getting paid how much for this ad? Wow. Okay. Ducks, they're great. Not just roasted, but also in the ways of friendship. Today's show, sponsored, Ducks. That's a fake ad I read because I was uncomfortable talking about my friend. If you'd like to create a fake ad for me to hide behind, please write to sponsor at phil.show or send food and supplies to the bunker. Coffee would be great. Or call CZ895. Also hugs. Hugs would be nice. I haven't... Before we get too deep into it, I want to thank my dead cousin Kevin, who built this bunker. I miss you every day, even though you're wrong about Milton Friedman. I'm not sure I should say this, but I was half asleep, and I thought I saw the phone light up again last night. But I'm not sure it was you, or someone else, or that voice. Maybe it was just... Maybe I'm being pranked. It's not a treat to be tricked. Let's chat. Hot takes! I got them! Thomas Jefferson, overrated. Martin Van Buren, underrated. Dude really was the architect of the two-party system, which used to be something. Hot take, the voice is real. Prove me right. Call. Call. Call now. Now. Now?
Now. No? Okay, moving on. Some people might be wondering why I took my wife's last name, Etrog. It's not traditional, it's not an all-time great name, a must-have. But I like Etrog. It's a pretty cool name, and my name was... I had no attachment to it. Once Dad left, and well, even before then, I'd figure I'd, I'd get a do-over. Phil Etrog didn't have baggage. It was a clean slate. I remember I talked to a friend from high school. Oh, it was Katie Verena, actually, who was also on the phone call with Meredith when the tape didn't... Anyway, we talked about all the trouble she had changing her name, going to the post office, the passport office, which was in the post office, but its hours were different and you had to go around the back. It was a pain. She looked at her new name and was like, who is this? Part of her identity felt stripped away, she said. Legal erasing. But she was always kind of overdramatic and <laughs> that doesn't matter. Why was I even friends with her still? It's weird who you still talk to. Nowadays, it's just you. But I'm glad you're out there or in there. Headphones on, maybe. Hunched over some radio dials, tuning in, pushing buttons, sliding those slidey things they have. What are they called? Slidey things, probably. Here I am. This is me. Tune in Tokyo. That was a saying, I think. Tune in Tokyo. Where did I get that one? Ugh. Oh, I remember. My stupid friend Alan Chang, he used to talk about his girlfriend and be like, I was tuning in Tokyo. Makes like he was tweaking her, uh boobs, breasts. What's radio friendly? Nothing. It was gross. Also, it was weird because he was Chinese. Not touching the... Anyone of any ethnicity or race can touch whatever they want. Well, not whatever they want. Permission. Consent. Don't be a dick. But he would say, tune in Tokyo. Like her things. Uh, things even sounded worse. Like her nipples were radio dials. He was Chinese, but Tokyo? He wasn't Chinese Chinese. I mean, he was from here, born. But the history, China and Japan, the whole Nanking and... Well, he probably didn't even... He was just bragging about... You get it. I get it. Why am I... Why was it Tokyo? That's what I'm saying. Why Tokyo? It's like from a movie or something? There's just so much pop cultural flotsam that you absorb and you don't even know what it's from. What's up, Doc? Bugs Bunny, right? But is he talking to a doctor? Why is asking what's up? What's up? Why do we say that? What does up have anything to do with it? It's like happy as a clam. Because clams are always so joyous, just clacking their shells and... But actually, it's shortened. It's happy as a clam at high tide. Because that's when clams are happy. You say that. Happy as a clam at high tide. It's long, so you just shorten it. Happy as a clam, dot, dot, dot. People get it because they've been saying it and then they shorten it and then eventually people only hear the shortened version and people think, oh, I guess clams are nature's optimists or whatever. Eventually you could just keep shortening it until the word clam meant happy. You'd be like, I am so clam today because my package arrived. Or I am so clam that Odie was raptured so he doesn't have to see all his loved ones who are sinners die in a lake of hellfire. I'm so clam. I'm so clam. I remember Ginny was working on an exhibition of nonconformist Soviet art, and there was one painting of a dinosaur and Stalin. I'm sure it got the artist arrested. But there was a sign in the back, and it was in Cyrillic. To me, the Cyrillic alphabet, the Russian alphabet, it looks so close to ours. You see it, and you're like, 
I should be able to read that. It's not like the Chinese characters or Korean where you're like, I don't even know how to begin to read that. But Cyrillic is like a trick because it seems close. There's a couple extra quirks, but it seems close. It's like in a dream. It's really hard to read and you can't really read in a dream. Cyrillic is like trying to read in a dream. It's amazing we made that. Language, alphabets. Like you realize the first person to write the alphabet had to be illiterate. They had to write before they could read because there was nothing to read. There were writers before readers, technically. Think about Toys R Us. We know that's a toy store, or it was, it's gone now, but they had this logo. It was their name, Toys R Us, T-O-Y-S, the letter R, but it was backwards and then U-S, us, Toys R Us. We know what it means, Toys R Us, it makes sense, but does it? What about the R Us? We know that sort of a slang meaning. We have them. Like the phrase, Toys R Us, means we have toys. If you want toys, Toys R Us. It makes sense, but not really. Then you have that backwards R, which stands for A-R-E. It's backwards and not the correct spelling because kids write letters backwards and make mistakes. That's why there are quotes around it. You need all that understanding of non-standard context English just to understand the name of a toy store just that. Now, let's step back further. To a Cyrillic reading person, like from Russia, say they just teleport from a beet farm in Dagestan, and suddenly they see Toys R Us. Do they think that backwards R is their letter? Because there is a letter in the Cyrillic alphabet that looks like a backwards R. You might think this letter would make the sound of an R backward, which is like, but no, that backward R letter makes a Y sound. To them, it's Toys Ya Us. Except it's not. It's actually more complicated because while the T and the O are the same, RY is their U sound. The S is their letter for Z, which we don't even do. The backwards R is Y. U doesn't even exist. The closest is maybe this letter that makes a Z sound, and the S again is Z. While we see Toys R Us, they see Tuza, which isn't even a thing. That's for me half remembering the dumb Cyrillic alphabet that I learned when I took a Russian language course to try to impress Ginny. But if a toy store is so fucking hard to understand, how do we even say hello? It's like how there's an infinity of numbers between each number. Between 1 and 2, there's 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, and on till forever. But between 1.1 and 1.2, there's 1.11, 1.12, forever. But then between 1.1 and 1.12, there's 1.101, 1.102, and it's just, you can never get anywhere. You can't get anywhere because there's always an infinite distance between everything. But not really, because watch, one, two, jumped an infinite number of numbers. I'm like the evil Knievel of math. Now watch this. One, two, three, bam, did it, woo! Victory lap, victory music! Nope, not that. Terrible. Anyway, that trick took me a long time. For a long time, I was terrified of everything between one and two. It's infinite. The pitfalls, the traps, the lies, the promises. Getting from one to two. It's not easy, it's not fair, and then all of a sudden, you do it. The numbers between are gone. You're there. Now you're like, oh man, I'm at two. 
I thought everything was about getting to two, and now I'm here, and suddenly... Was one better? Should I have been trying to get from one to zero? Have I been freaking out and going the wrong way this whole time? Or, oh man, what's that over there? Three! Wait, three! <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. If I can just make it to three, everything will be great. Everything will... And you can get to three, and then the mushrooms come. You touch three's soft skin, and you're pulling budding little toadstools off three's body, and you can't do it fast enough. Three is crying, and you say, hey, no, it's okay. It's not. Everything will be fine. Nope. There is no fine, because in all the infinite numbers between two and three, including pi, you don't even think about it, but there it was. Even though you were smart enough to know pi was there, you still get fucking smacked. There was no fucking mushroom number. No one said one, two, three, mushroom. No warning that I was going to fill up with... That just as fast as you can scrape them off, more budding. You just... The eyes go purple and sort of horrible and beautiful, but you drive, but you don't have anywhere to go. The hospital is a mushroom forest, almost, maybe. You hear rumors, maybe, if, almost. We've seen it. We've seen pictures on TV when there was still TV. Seen our friends, amethyst eyes, dream eyes, sparkle. We love coming up with little cutesy nicknames for the most horrible things. Chicken pox, the clap, kissing disease. I watched the smartest person I ever knew shrink away, dry out. There was nothing I could do. I held her and stroked her hair as handfuls of it were just falling out. You couldn't even touch her without a woman who contained so much knowledge. Memories, a life together, small details about art. Love to solve logic puzzles. We had a book about stripes and a mystery novel idea that she always meant to write. She was a universe. I saw it die out, one star at a time. Well, the whole thing was just a black void. I'm still here. Why? Small, stupid little man. Well, average height. Maybe a little taller than... I, uh, I do this because, because are you out there? Are you? Do you feel it too? Does that pain ping pong off me and bounce back from you? Have you seen universes blink out of existence too? Can my voice, my stupid little voice, echolocate you in the dark? It's all fucking dark, dark, dark. When I talk about a backwards R, do you know what I mean? Or is it just a lost symbol of my personal vocabulary that's become so insular, so isolated, I don't even make sense anymore? A pigeon marooned on an island. Have I evolved into a dodo bird? Have I changed so much? Are the only sounds at night the odd clacking of those weird blue tree mushrooms that sound like how bugs used to sound? Or are even they quiet now? Who wants a song? Who wants a... It's all we can do sometimes. Nostalgia. It means the pain to return home. The word was created to define a disease. Nostalgia was a disease. The longing to go back, to go back home. My mother never wanted to be home. She always wanted to be away, to get away. Might have started when Dad was still around, but I don't really know. When you're a kid, you just sort of think things are fine because you have no baseline, not really. I watched so much garbage TV because I felt when I was a kid, if they made it, it must be good. Because they put it on. It exists. 
If it was boring or annoying, it was on me. I was wrong. I watched like a lot of Huckleberry Hound, hoping I would get to a point where I could appreciate it. Will this afternoon be the afternoon where the stupid, annoying dog finally made sense? Yogi wanted picnic baskets, that I got, but Huckleberry Hound, he... I'm stalling. I'm... Listen. We've been... We've been having this radio relationship for a while now. Let's strip away the paint, the patina, get down to the shiplap and baseboards. It was the same way with families, right? I mean, if a family gets made, it must be for a reason. You don't put all that work into something and it's bad. You don't. If it's bad, it must be me. I'm the problem, right? I grew up in a pretty standard suburban place. Town was about half Italian Catholic, half Dutch Protestant. There was a couple Asians, some Irish. We lived in a small ranch house in the flat part of town. The rich people lived in the hills. No, they weren't that hilly. But my friend Joe lived up on Albemarle Court, which was sort of a steep hill. Good for sledding down, but shit for riding your bike up. Halloween, it was well known that you trick-or-treat the flat first because they always ran out of candy, and then you did the hills last because people didn't go because of all the hills, and they gave out bigger candy. And at the end of the night, they would just dump, like, full-size crunch bars in your pillowcase. If you planned it right, you could be swimming in candy. I'd always give my mom the good and plenty. Mom liked the good and plenty, which should have tipped me off that she was... She was good. She always... Mom liked travel guides. She'd borrow travel guides from the library and study them like they were great novels. She would get out guides for Italy, England, Japan, wherever. She'd make itineraries on this old notebook she had. She'd plan out whole days. She'd figure out what time flights landed, what museums were closed what days, inside tips on how to best see the Vatican, what metro stop to take. When visiting St. Mark's in Venice, make sure you go to the bag drop before getting online or you'll waste your time. You're saying, a little odd, but who cares? Your mom likes to have a fantasy life. It'd be fine if it stopped there. She started to get more travel books. I'm not, I'm not sure from where, like piles of them, often several copies of the same ones. Then she started calling travel agencies. She'd spend hours with them on the phone, setting up tours, getting itineraries, asking questions. What hotel? Oh, can we start this tour on Thursday? I don't like pesto. What sort of coffee do they have? And she'd get full, customized, tailored itineraries mailed to her by travel agents with specific dietary requests and hotel room locations, not street side because the traffic noise won't let her sleep. She even talked to agents about possible flights. She'd take it right to the line, right to the time when they needed payment to hold her spot. Then she'd stall. She'd start saying, well, maybe we do Lake Como instead of Venice. Maybe actually, let's do a whole different trip to Germany. What do you have for Germany in May? Still, she made her itineraries. Some tour agencies would refuse her calls. She was on a list, they told her. Don't waste our time. She'd get very upset and say she was a VIP traveler. She would spend hours going to travel agencies and going over itineraries with agents in person. Eventually, she'd have to start driving further and further away when the local agencies refused to deal with her. When, like, all the tour companies blacklisted her, she went national. She found online sites like Expedia or Priceline. Next to the computer was, I shit you not, a stack of handwritten notes like three feet high. She'd spent hours comparing and comparing hotels. 
She emailed every tour company she could and got mail from Affordable Tours, Liberty Travel, Trafalgar, Gate One, Glossy Brochures, which she'd rip pages from and tack them up. She'd write in possible dates. Summer, question mark. She'd compare a seven-day tour of France between each company. Well, this one has wine tasting on day three, but this one visits the Chateau, but not that one. It was all just bullshit. She had, at some point, maybe six notebooks full of She'd even plan trips with me. When do you graduate, she'd ask. Where do you want to go? Australia? Argentina? Easter Island? I don't want to bring friends over. Like when Billy first moved here, the first time she came over, she, she asked, oh, are you going on a trip? Mom heard her and just launches into a whole thing about a Baltic cruise. It goes to Estonia. Can you believe it? Estonia was... When my buddy Alan... Tune in Tokyo Chang came over, mom would grill him about where she should go in China. He was nice about it, but he only went to Taiwan twice to visit family. He never went to Beijing. But there she was, holding up various articles about which section of the Great Wall was best. I was accepted to a few colleges, but I was worried about scholarships because college is stupid expensive. I wasn't good enough to afford out-of-state tuition. But I didn't want to go to Rutgers because well, going to Rutgers when you live in New Jersey is like going to high school plus. Freshman year might as well be 13th grade. There were just too many people you knew. I wanted to not be who I was. It was, it's. So one night I'm getting ready for finals and my mom comes bursting in my room. She has one of her stupid spiral notebooks. She has a hand-drawn map of Trier, Germany. She launches into it. What we should do is start at the Electoral Palace. It's one of Germany's oldest cities. We have to make sure we see the Constantine Basilica. Not much inside, but the history. Then the cathedral, past the market, to the Black Gate. That's the star. The Porta Negra, they call it. We can go up to the top level and you get this view. It's why we're going to Trier. I have it. I screamed at her. We're not going to Trier. We're never going to Trier. I'm never going to see that stupid Black Gate. And I hate you and you are pathetic and stupid and you are a joke. Everyone knows it. You plan these stupid trips for nothing. We're stuck here. You are stuck here. And Dad is gone because you're fucking crazy. Get out of my fucking life. Some things you can't take back. You can't erase. Sometimes words are razors. Sometimes. Sometimes it's everything. She didn't yell back. She looked at her hand-drawn map or a little reproduction of the Black Gate the Porta Negra with a little dotted line that was our planned route and she just shut the notebook. She closed my door. We didn't talk much after that. Sometimes we could both pretend like something wasn't forever shut between us. We still joked at times. She still made dinner. I still made dinner. I still helped with the dishes, but she still got more travel books, but she didn't talk to my friends. She'd often hide in her room when I had people over. Uh, that was... Uh, that. Years later, I went with Ginny to a conference where she was giving a lecture about post-brutalist architecture and conversation was something. One afternoon, she skipped a panel so we could take a walk. We walked from the Electoral Palace down past the throne of Constantine, past the cathedral, through the market. To the black gate. I looked at it. It was beautiful. 
I was in Trier and I had made it. Mom never did, but I was here. The view was, it was. In the museum of my life, I don't know how to frame that story. Is it, what is it? What is the object I take from that to display? My mother's hand-drawn map? The acceptance letter to Drew University? Our little house? There are an infinite number of things between that fed-up asshole teenager to the couple standing on the Porta Negra to the guy in the bunker. Yet I step over them all and get from there to here. One, two, three. All the numbers between are gone. We're coming up against a hard break, which means I'm going to break if I just don't have a quick pace around. Where's that stupid CD? Hey, um, see if it sounds different. I think track seven has more, like, higher sounds. Is that a... Is that... Just listen. We're back. This is Phil in the Morning, broadcasting live to you in whatever crater of a city you once lived. In the news today, I ate a dehydrated meal that said it was beef stroganoff. In related news, Phil found neither beef nor stroganoff in his meal. Dehydrated meal packets are filthy liars. Now, a word from our sponsor. Dehydrated meal packets. Ah, man, I did it again. <laughs> uh, well... Dehydrated Meal Packets, the best meal packet you can get. Try the beef stroganoff. It's the best. Shh, I'm hiding behind bits, jokes. Is it working? Am I invisible yet? Have I put enough distance between... Do you ever not talk for a while and you don't realize it and then all of a sudden you wonder if you just forgot how to talk and you're like, maybe I just shouldn't talk anymore. Then your wife comes home and you're like, Oh, hi. This whole not talking thing is just broken. You don't even really remember how weird it was not to talk, not to converse, listening. I'm bad at that. I always want to jump into a conversation. I like silence when it's just me, but when there's more than just me, silence scares me. It's, it's so loud. You know what I miss? Those electric sliding doors they have at stores, the automatic ones. I always like to pretend I was like Magneto or someone and I was opening them with my mind or my powers. 
magnet powers in Magneto's case. Sometimes I'd make like a little swipe motion with my hands to pretend I was opening the doors. Did you do that? Oh, I think most of us, we do. Another thing I did or do or used to do was I would be with Ginny or my friends or anyone. We'd be walking around and then one of them would go into a store or someplace and I'd get bored and go outside. Like when Ginny would pick up pantsuits at Lane Bryant or Dress Bar. I'd just go sit on a bench outside the store. They'd still be inside. I would wait. As I waited, I'd get this itch in the back of my brain. Then I'd wonder, did I make them up? What if the person I'm waiting for inside the store never came out? I'm just crazy, and I imagine my whole life and friendship with them. I'm worried, and I'm like, is any of this real? Maybe everyone has just been humoring me when I'm like, well, this is my wife. And they're like, oh, sure. And to themselves, they're saying, oh, it's that poor, sad, crazy guy again with his imaginary wife. And then Ginny comes out, and I'm like, nope, she's real. But maybe she's not, and it's all just the delusion kicking back in, taking over the one brief moment of reality. I wouldn't mind the delusion to kick in. All this mushroom bullshit can just go away, and when someone walks through that door right now, 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 nope. That's okay. I'm here with you, doing this, talking this through with you. It was a crazy time before. We used to care about all sorts of stupid things back then, like celebrities and cat videos and manners. Like not putting your elbows on the table. That was a big deal to somebody once. People would buy toys and not even take them out of the box. They were collector's items, but they have no value now. A mint inbox Boba Fett doesn't have much value in a post-mushroom world. Toys are weird. Most kids would play with a bag of rocks just as much as a ninja turtle or whatever. But when I'd buy him toys, I'd be like, oh, cool, it's Krang. Just kidding. No one ever thought Krang was cool. Sorry, Krang. Get out of here! <laughs> no, you can stay. I'd hang out with you, Krang. Maybe you're just misunderstood. If you put as much energy into fixing our crumbling infrastructure as you did in hunting Ninja Turtles, you'd be a hero. Come on, Krang, let's tend a community garden. That'd be nice. I had toys as an adult on my desk. Action figures. I had to keep them high up because you don't realize how everything is a choking hazard. Beckett was a good playwright. I never had a Beckett action figure. I had an Oscar Wilde action figure. It was a gift from when I left the bookstore. He was a good guy, Oscar Wilde. It's too bad what they did to him. Because he was... That's fucked up. We also cared about that. Why? I did, kinda. Dad always said I was too sensitive. He said a lot of stupid shit. I was excited to get old so I could see what I'd become a grumpy old man about. Some kind of newfangled belief that was just going too far. I guess if I can imagine it, it's not... Far enough. It's what's beyond the scope. Maybe if humans could marry Mushroom Monster. But maybe there's that one good Mushroom Monster. Maybe it likes humans and I'm being a jerk. But being old is about getting a free pass to be a jerk. Okay, one more Garfield strip and then we call it a night. Panel one. Garfield is in his bed. Covers over his head. He wonders, will tomorrow be better? Panel two. There's a caption over the top. It says, the next day. Same artwork, Garfield in bed. He's thinking again, will tomorrow be better? And then panel three, it has a caption over the top. It says, 
a thousand years later. Garfield is just a skeleton. His bones are thinking, yesterday was better. Huh. Well, a little lazy reasoning artwork in the first two panels, but the skeleton Garfield is well done. Not anatomically accurate. They're like skeleton ears, and that doesn't really make sense, but... The phone is always plugged in. Call. Because you and me, all of us, we need... We... They're going to think things that aren't things. I... I need you. Please. If it's not me, it's that CD, and who wants to listen to that? I'll prove it to you. 